This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League Fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020, and you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. All right, this is our second week back this offseason. We had a fairly good conversation on quarterbacks last week, but how are we feeling two weeks in a row? You know, knocking a little bit of the rust off. To be completely honest, we both forgot we were supposed to shoot yesterday, so I think we're both working through that. It's the off-season malaise, and it's this <laughs> period right before the draft where we've kind of talked about everything we want to talk about in the draft, and it's just kind of waiting for the draft so we have new stuff to talk about. It's kind of weird that way. Yeah, I mean, got to love the off-season. It's been, like you said, and like we talked about last We've been very interesting, you know, almost NBA-esque. So, yeah, I'm ready to get back into the saddle here. All right, so we didn't get to any other position groups, and this being a fantasy football podcast, we're really only going to focus on the offensive skill positions other than quarterback last week. So with that being said, let's start with running backs so far. There's not been a ton of movements, at least from what I can see on the waiver wire. Leonard Fournette goes back to Tampa Bay. I would assume that we would pencil him in, especially with Tom Brady coming back for a very similar arc as to what he had last season, correct? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself in saying this either, but I think everybody, all the running backs landed in excellent spots, probably the best spots that all all of them could have. And Leonard Fournette is one of the top people at that. Um, You know, he came out right the first couple of years with Jacksonville and we're like, okay, yeah, this is a guy we saw at LSU. And then he kind of hit, hit a little bit of a ceiling and was kind of hanging there. Didn't know too much. And he really has had a fantasy relevant and not as uh, just as much as a career relevance as well. Um, resurgence being in Tampa Bay. So with Tom Brady back, you look to think that um, he's going to get a bulk of the workload too, with Chris Godwin being out. So you got to love the landing spot here for Leonard Fournette going back to Tampa Bay. And I would expect, even though they've changed pretty much the guy who's the offensive, uh, I wouldn't say play caller, but more or less the innovator with the head coach moving on. And now we still get Byron Leftwich as the primary play caller in Tampa Bay, that the offense isn't going to change too much. This was one of the pass heaviest teams in the NFL. I think they were top three if not number one overall, Tom Brady, I think led the league in passing this last year. So you'd have to imagine that Leonard Fournette is still going to get a lot of receptions out of the backfield. I think he was number one or number two for Mm -hmm. receptions by running back this last year. And you said it as well, that they're going to have less targets to compete for this. We still don't know if Rob Gronkowski is going to come back. We're going to get to tight ends later, but with Chris Godwin being hurt and we don't know the status of some of the other receivers, his backup running back also moving on, which we're going to talk to talk about here in a second. I would imagine that his role might even expand a little bit more 
given how much trust that Tom Brady seems to have in him. The question is, and it has always been with Leonard Fournette, is health. But as long as he's healthy, he seems like he's been productive for Tampa Bay, and he's in a really great situation. So with the exception of maybe a draftable running back coming in, I really don't see him fading into the background. The only question is, is is he going to be now overdrafted compared to what we thought last year? Or is he going to be somehow underdrafted and of value in like a redraft league sense? I guess that remains to be seen, but that's something we're going to have to watch continuing through the offseason. Let's move to Chase Edmonds going to the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, the Miami Dolphins being one of the more running back needy teams, constantly in the rumor mill for running backs coming out of this draft class. But Chase Edmonds, one of the few guys that was of impact moving on in free agency from this position, goes to one of the most running back needy teams. The question will be, of course, health with him being kind of an undersized running back, but also is his role going to expand or are they going to continue to use him how Arizona did pretty much between the 20s? He was a very exceptional pass catching back, but he was never primarily used in a goal line sense. Yeah, I mean, you got to love the opportunity that he's going to have here. And we're going to really see the real Chase Edmonds, because like you said, there's really not too many people that are going to be jumping into his way. You also got to like that one of the big heads in the 49ers is now the head coach in Miami as well. And they do a very, very good job of utilizing their running backs in the offense. So I, again, I, I love the landing spot for Chase Edmonds. I think they are going to use a lot of what he does very, very well. And we're going to see really is because it's been talked about for the last couple of years, right? Is Chase Edmonds a guy feed Chase Edmonds? Like and he's always been a disappointment. I always thought he's got a lot of talent, and I felt like the opportunity was there in Arizona. So this is kind of like a make or break it for the Chase Edmonds truthers um, situation right here. So I love the spot for Chase Edmonds. You heard it here first, folks. He is leading the hashtag free Chase Edmonds bandwagon. On <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll be a Chase Edmonds truther, I guess. Sure. <laughs> Ronald Jones goes to the Kansas City Chiefs from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that we kind of mentioned a minute ago. Do you think that he is somehow going to make an impact on this team or is he just another guy on an Andy Reid team from the running back position that's going to be undercut by how much they throw the football? Yeah, again, um, the opportunity and a great offense to flourish in too, right? But the problem that we have with Ronald Jones is we felt like he had the opportunity in Tampa Bay as well. Clyde Edwards is a, a layer is there. So it's going to be a very, very good battle and training camp, but I really don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from Ronald Jones, but at the same time, I really like the landing spot here in Kansas city, because if he was to take off, this is a pretty good offense to take off in. The chiefs have not had a consistent power back that they could just hand the ball off to at the one yard line for a while now. And so they've had to be very creative with, a lot of these weird touch passes, jet sweeps, um, finding Travis Kelsey on shovel plays, all these other random things over the last couple of years that they have been able to get into the end zone a lot with, but they haven't had that one guy that they can just simply hand the ball off to and he can power in between the tackles and get you the one yard for that touchdown. I think this is the type of guy that you bring in for that situation, but to me, he's no better than a glorified fullback in this system because he's never going to get enough carries for what he is. 
and he's not a receiving back in an offense that's going to require you to be a receiving back. He's not a great pass protector. To me, I don't quite understand his fit on this team other than to be that short yardage goal line power back. And that just doesn't breed fantasy relevance to me uh, in a way that going to the Kansas City Chiefs, normally you would say it would. Rashad Penny, one of the hottest backs in the fantasy playoffs last year, goes back to Seattle. Obviously, with Russell Wilson moving on, you might think that some of his shine might be diminished. But how do you see his season playing out on the Seattle Seahawks now with Drew Locke leaving them at quarterback? Well, with health is the first and foremost thing. Like, is he going to be on the field? If he's on the field, you know he's going to get the football a lot. The thing is just how productive is that offense going to be? You said it yourself, one of the hottest running backs ending the season last year as well. So in an offense that should be pretty familiar to him, I I like the spot, but it's just, it's really tough to predict the Seattle uh, football team right now. It's, it's, so I don't know if you have Rashad Penny, I think you hold on him onto him just because of the talent that we know he is but you hate the situation that he's in in Seattle, but the opportunity for him is there. I guess if that makes sense. I think at this point, now that we've mentioned health on just about every name that we've brought up so far on this podcast, let's just say for an all encompassing thing, health is a factor for every single running back that we're going to talk about till the end of time with the rare exceptions being like Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. But for people like Rashad Penny, he is, I get it often, but there, there isn't a running back that hasn't dealt with significant injury issues or missed two to three games, at least over the last two to three seasons. I mean, that's just a thing with Penny. Yeah, I get it. And I understand what you're saying, but I said it because Penny, because you could argue maybe he's been out more games than he's actually played in. Well, I think what was it? Fournette missed like four games last year. Ronald Jones missed like six. He basically got held out of the playoffs the season before when they were making their Super Bowl run, which even gave way to Leonard Fournette because going into those playoffs, Ronald Jones was the guy. So you want to talk about running backs, even in this class. Chase Edmonds, I think, missed like four or five games last season. It's just a matter of do you get lucky with staying healthy somehow with your running backs? That That's kind of what we already saw last season. And so not to necessarily belabor the point, but it's going to be a factor for every running back everywhere as long as we're going forward. You just kind of have to play the lottery on that. J.D. McKissick going back to Washington after a weird head fake. I think he was going to go to Buffalo and then all of a sudden re-signs with the Washington Commies, penciling him in again for at least, you know, five to six targets a game. Yeah, absolutely. We, we know what type of role he's going to have in this offense. I don't see it changing too much. Yeah, especially with Carson Wentz at quarterback, I still see him dumping the ball off a lot because that Washington offensive line is not very good. He's going to need to have an outlet, and J.D. McKissick has been one of the premier pass-catching backs in the league, and that's what keeps him at all relevant. Just pencil it in. Same offense, same running back, same conclusion, I guess. And then finally, Cordero Patterson back to the Atlanta Falcons, I guess, you and I have both gone on this program thinking there's absolutely no way he continues his open to last year. I mean, we didn't even think he was going to continue it into the second half of the year and we were proven right. I really don't know what the Atlanta Falcons are going to do at running back, but it doesn't seem like Cordero Patterson is the long-term answer for them. 
No, no. And for anyone to expect that he is going to do anything near what he did at the start of last year, I think is kind of losing their mind, especially with the back step that um, the Falcons have taken so far this off season. So he's there. Uh, I wouldn't say too much more than that. This is not screaming exciting offense to me right now with Kelvin Ridley suspended for the year and Matt Ryan moving on in favor of Marcus Mariota. You're likely to have a quarterback competition yet at some point. And if your two most exciting playmakers are Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts, you're looking up in the standings more, more likely than not. So not a lot of other big running back talk. Let's move to probably the most interesting conversation outside of quarterbacks. And that would be the wide receiver rooms right now. Obviously we had the trade of Devonte Adams after he couldn't work out a contract structure with the green Bay Packers. He gets separated from his top tier quarterback. We also had Tyreek Hill who got a big contract, but had to be traded to the dolphins, much like Devonte Adams had to be traded in order to resolve a contract dispute between his organization and is separated again from his big time quarterback. And then finally, the other big stud wide receiver from about two years ago, he also gets his big money deal. We'll go through the contract numbers here in a second. And that's Stefan Diggs actually staying with the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen right now. But the question remains with Debo Samuel and AJ Brown likely to hold out most of the offseason. Uh, scrubbing their entire social media platforms of any references to their teams and being somewhat disgruntled or disgruntled out in public. Can you have a big time quarterback and a big time wide receiver and expect to have a functional football team? And when I presented earlier this off season, kind of off air to you that I think the new market threshold of top tier wide receivers, especially these, young up-and-comers such as Justin Jefferson's the Jamar Chases was going to be at minimum a $30 million per year contract. Do you think that is the new normal of the environment we're going into with the NFL is you're going to have to pay these wide receivers as probably the second most important guy on your team outside of maybe a quarterback when it used to be pass rusher and left tackle? Well, we know where the game is, right? It's basically glorified seven on seven. Now, people that don't know a lot about me, um, I, I love the wide receiver position. You know, I am a wide receiver. I think like a wide receiver. And I think this is absolutely ridiculous. I'm not paying A.J. Brown $30 million for sure. I think if there is a situation or a team out there that in the future is going to have to pay their quarterback and their wide receiver, I think it's the Cincinnati Bengals. For the Minnesota Vikings and Justin Jefferson, they're going to give him his because they don't have a quarterback. Kirk Cousins isn't that guy. But I just don't see a lot of wide receivers. There's always going to be a couple, but I don't see a lot where they're going to be like, yeah, I need 30, you know. I think Jamar is going to get it. I think Justin Jefferson is going to get it. I don't think A.J. Brown is going to get it. Health, for sure, with him is a big reason why I wouldn't give it to him. But then you think about Tyreek and you think about Devontae leaving a good situation to get that paycheck. At the same time, I'm never going to tell somebody not go and get their money. But you got to wonder at some point, more so Tyreek Evans and Devontae Adams. But at some point this season, looking back at it, are you going to be happy enough with the paycheck, knowing that your numbers are suffering and all this other nonsense is suffering? 
I think Devante is still going to be pretty good with Derek Carr. They have that chemistry and he wanted to go out there and play and you can't knock a player for going and, and getting what they want. But I don't know. I do think the NFL is changing, but I do not think every wide receiver is going to get 30, 20, 25. Yeah. I think, I think pretty decent wide receivers in the NFL are going to start demanding and getting that. So Tyreek Hill, not Tyreek Evans, got oh, sorry. <laughs> 30 million. Yeah, Tyreek Evans, the former basketball player. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But it, sorry, watching regardless. the game. <laughs> yeah. But Devontae Adams, 28.25 average annual value, 30 million for Tyreek Hill. The smaller of the contracts was actually Stefan Diggs taking 24 AAV. But I would guess that the minimum threshold for starting point or talks between this is probably around 26 to 27 AAV right now. And with the cap set to explode after this next season, going into next off season, these are going to be minimal contract numbers. I know that wide receivers are going to be paid that way. Justin Jefferson is absolutely going to get $30 million a year because even though you're paying Kirk cousins, a lot of money to be guaranteed as your quarterback. And it seems a lot more when you've actually watched Kirk cousins play at all. He's still not going to set the quarterback market every single year, like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. I'm a little bit curious how the Buffalo bills figured out how to get Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, and the rest all under contract to me, there might be a synergy where they haven't won a title together since Tyreek Hill got his ring and from the personality I get from him publicly. I don't think he cares as much about winning as some of the bills who have had two very difficult playoff defeats in a row, that absolute shelling in Arrowhead two years ago. And then that uh, overtime loss that they had in that absolutely thrilling divisional game that we had this last year. I think the more interesting question you raise is not, whether Jamar Chase is going to get that money. It's whether Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins all get that money. Yeah, T. I'm sorry. If you're T. Higgins, you know you're the odd man out. You know that. And you know your days in Cincinnati. Your agent has told you that by now. You know your days in Cincinnati are numbered. Well, I mean, <laughs> this is the question. He is I mean, a top, I'm sorry. How, he is how a long top. can you keep this together? I mean, the Colts used to have – I think what five, six years of Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Peyton Manning, and Edron James altogether. I just don't think the modern NFL is built in a way that you can do that. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I think he leaves after his rookie deal. I think he knows that. If he's smart, he knows that. He's probably going to have to seek number one money elsewhere. And I thought even his first year without Jamar Chase, he kind of proved he could be a number one. Yeah. So, absolutely. He's one of the top wide receivers in this league. I can, I can say that most definitely and believe that. He's one of the top young wide receivers in this league. I think under 25, you probably are right. I don't know yeah, if yeah. I would put him above. When we're getting to like the top receivers in the league, I usually think top 10, and I'm not sure he's quite there when you throw I'd in the Tyree Kills and the Adams. Him, and, yeah. You know, some no, of that. I'm not but, saying that. I'm not saying he's top five. I'm not saying he's top 10. I'd for sure throw him in my top 20, though. Yeah, I, I would guess that you're right. I don't know if I'd be able to rank 20 guys ahead of him based on the first two years that we've had. I think there's a little bit of inconsistency, but I think that has more to do with Zach Taylor's play calling than anything else. But realistically, the Bengals having so much offensive firepower together all on rookie deals, I think that is the advantageous thing. And their Super Bowl window is like the next two years, and then they're done. 
because I can't imagine that they're going to be able to carry Mixon, Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and I know they added Hayden Hurst, but Joe Burrow's contract is going to end up being huge and Jamar Chase and then still have any competency left on the rest of the team. Yeah, they got some fun decisions to make down the road. I'll be very curious to see if the Titans, the Titans are more likely to give A.J. Brown the big money than I think the 49ers are going to be able to give Debo Samuel just because you look at what the 49ers have dedicated. They've already given huge money to Trent Williams as the top paid left tackle in the league. George Kittle got the top tight end contract at the time. And Fred Warner also got the top linebacker contract, at least temporarily at the time. So they've committed some big money to a few positions already. And I'd be curious to see if they really load up and say, wide receiver is the one place we really want to give substantial money when yes, he's an exceptional player. And yes, he had an exceptional season. Is he the thing that makes your entire team go in some senses? I would say yes last year, but long-term, I think they probably believe more in Kyle Shanahan and his system than they do in Debo Samuel. And so that'll be the real test case if this is going to break down. All right, so let's move to some of the other guys that actually changed teams. Well, actually, let's let's circle back. We didn't really talk about Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill in their new situations. So let's start with Devontae Adams. He's clearly one of the biggest moves of the offseason. It was the big, oh, shit moment that we've had so far in this offseason. He moves to Oakland where he's going to be paired with now Hunter Renfro, He'll be with Derek Carr, his college quarterback, and one of his best friends. He's going to be on the same side as Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. How do you see this Raiders offense that at least was somewhat fantasy relevant last year for a couple of players shaking out? Is he going to fall off at all outside of maybe the top five that he's been consistently in for the last few years? Or is he basically another locked it in top five guy? Yeah, man, the Raiders, they got a lot of weapons over there, don't they? <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw the weapons in there for you. No, that's a really, really, that's a really, really good offense. Uh, an extremely, extremely good offense. They got a lot of people at a lot of different positions. And Hunter Renfro, as we know, is no slouch. So I think that he and his stock have gone up immensely with the arrival of uh, Devontae Adams. He always He already was really hard to cover. But now being guaranteed that you're really not going to have too much pressure from the defense on you. Um, Devontae, I don't know if you can lock him in as the top five guy each and every week now. But I don't know. I, I guess it'll be something to wait and see. But I still feel very, very good about him if he's on your team for the foreseeable future. I, of course, am going to wait the standard number of months until we do our preseason prediction show, but I think there's a possibility right now that Derek Carr finishes with more fantasy points this season than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think you could say that the way they're going to air it out. I think you could say that. He's just got more talented guys around him. I mean, Waller and Runfro already were going to be exceptional guys. And if everybody stays healthy, I just can't imagine that Devontae's not going to put up big numbers yet. I watched it in college. He was on my college fantasy team that I think he had like 17 touchdowns his senior season at uh, Fresno State. I mean, some ridiculous numbers and connection between these two. I know everybody talks about the Rodgers and Devontae connection, but you can't imagine that Derek Carr and Devontae Adams have completely forgotten their connection back from college. And I'm sure they're working out in Las Vegas right now, 
trying to get all of that back. So to me, this is still a good situation. It's for how long is the good situation going to last? Tyreek Hill goes to the Dolphins. Obviously, they are one of the, I don't know, biggest question marks at quarterback in this league right now in a league that we've talked about has more quarterback parity than it's probably ever had before outside of maybe the elite guys. Tua Tagovailoa, kind of an up-and-down second season. We weren't great with him in his first season. Jalen Waddell comes in last year. I think he set the single-season rookie receptions record. But he and Tyreek Hill are very similar in their body of work or their physical traits to each other, and they re-sign Mike Gusecki. How do you see this kind of passing game, throw in maybe a Chase Edmonds, kind of panning out right now, surrounding all of these talented playmakers around Tua Tagovailoa. It's a sink or swim moment, but how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I mean, we are going to see a completely different Miami Dolphins offense for sure. Uh, yeah, I feel like we're going to see a lot of more 49-year type concepts, obviously, from him being from San Francisco, the head coach. But Tyreek Hill, I don't really love the landing spot for him. Going from Kansas City, going anywhere really besides Green Bay, I think would have been in the downward trajectory. But it's something that you're going to have to wait and see. But I think, I'm not to piggyback on what you said, but I don't think he's all that concerned about winning. I think he got his money. He's super happy, as he should be. And um, he's going to just go out there and do what he kind of does. But I don't think we're going to ever see Kansas City Tyreek Hill ever again. I would probably guess that you're right. I think that Tyreek Hill's best advantage, other than running those deep crossing routes and those fly patterns, is having a big-armed quarterback at his disposal. And we've already seen that Tua is just not going to be that guy. He's got to be a more rhythm passer that hits his targets, knows his reads, and is able to get the ball out on time within schedule. Kind of a Tom Brady-esque type guy. And so if you're looking for him to be the burner, I just don't see it in this offense where, yeah, he may be able to take a slant and go and do some incredible things yet with his speed, but some of the things that make him the most dangerous, I think get lost with this type of quarterback supplying him the ball. I think there might've been a few situations where a guy with a really strong arm was able to bring him in. I don't think Green Bay would have been the situation since they would have had to have the contract, but you think about maybe if he had ended up with Justin Herbert, he's got the the arm talent in order to keep him relevant, Josh Allen. But these guys already have number one wide receivers, and they weren't going to pay the contract or the headache. There are not many situations where he could have walked into with another great quarterback and been able to do things. I think one of the lone exceptions is I actually thought that if he ends up in Jacksonville, that's a better situation because I like uh, Trevor Lawrence's arm talent a lot more than I like Tua's right now. And I thought he could have really taken the top off in a Doug Peterson style offense, but that's just not the route that Jacksonville eventually wanted to go. So, you know, I I guess they're going to have plans. Again, you've raised the point that Mike McDonald, or is it McDaniel or McDonald? I think it's McDaniel uh, is Mm -hmm. the former offensive coordinator now for the 49ers. And they use 
or a Jalen Waddle or a Tyreek Hill very much in the same way that they did Debo Samuel with the exception of not putting him in the backfield. But I think they're going to find creative ways to get these guys to the ball and get them out in space. So I don't think he's going to completely plummet off the fantasy relevancy map into even maybe a wide receiver two territory, but his peak days where he was competing for the overall wide receiver number one in leagues. I don't know if that's going to be the ceiling that I would project him at right now. It just doesn't seem to be possible with this quarterback and this system the way it is. Maybe in a year when we know what the quarterback situation is and it's how it's panned out, but not right now. I, I just have my doubts. All right, let's move to a couple of the other guys then. Amari Cooper, after uh, the reported comments that he called Dak Prescott a black Kirk Cousins, moves on to the Browns to start catching passes from Baker Mayfield, at least maybe for a few weeks while Deshaun serves his likely suspension, but eventually he's going to be catching passes from Deshaun Watson. Is this an upgrade for him or is he going to be lost in the shuffle yet again? I mean, maybe it's a little bit of an upgrade, but I don't think it's anything crazy. We know who Amari Cooper is. He's a pretty good wide receiver, but I feel like he's somebody that's really not lived up to what we all thought he would be here in the NFL. Yeah. I, I have a hard time establishing what I think this is going to be. We've seen Deshaun Watson do well with less. Is it possible that Amari Cooper can be kind of a, a new Hopkins type? I don't think they're the same player. New Hopkins was able to make a lot of contested catches. He was very good in certain route running And Cooper, I think, might be a better, more stylistic route runner, but he was not the physical be-all, jump-up-and-catch-the-ball-in-traffic type of player that New Hopkins was. I think it remains to be seen. I think the fact that he's not going to be competing for as many targets in Cleveland as he was for Dallas this last year with Michael Gallup, and uh, forgive me, is it? it's not Blake Jarwin, uh, it was the other one that you had on your team, Dalton Schultz, or with uh, C.D. Lamb. So take out all of those guys and the potential for that, and he could be force-fed the ball a little bit more in this offense. But again, I think it also remains to be seen when Deshaun Watson is going to even take the field for this team. I think that's the biggest factor that's kind of out in the, the ether. Allen Robinson, one of our favorites from about two years ago before he had a, um, I don't know, did he get lost in like a black hole or something last year? Or is it just Chicago? Anyway, he moves to the that's Rams, just, a relevant football team. How yeah, do you see his Chicago. career panning out from here on? This is the best situation that he has ever been in in his entire freaking life. And I could not be more proud for Allen Robinson and my Allen Robinson shares. Like, geez, man. Like, he's so good, you know, and just murdered by quarterback play and then just phased out of the offense for God knows what reason. So now he is going to take over that Robert Woods OBJ role. And I think he's going to have a very, very good year football. I really do. I think so too. I don't think that what we saw in Chicago last year was really indicative of who the real Allen Robinson was. I think there are some injuries that nobody really told us about that he was just kind of fighting through that to me seemed to, especially with the season that Chicago was having, make his season much more unbearable. And so his desire to really 
want to return and be a big time receiver, especially on a franchise tag was not there when the organization was probably going to move on. And you could already see the writing on the wall with the GM and the coach being fired at the end of the year, probably about three games into the season. It, it just wasn't the season that he wanted to have. And I'm sure he wanted to preserve his options to get at least a decent contract, which I think he did with the Rams. He is a very physical jump ball receiver. He's not, he's never been a fast guy. So I don't think he's going to be the, the same as a Robert Woods, who I think at one time was a track star or an OBJ who's got very quick cutting lateral movement in a lot of his route running, but he can be a very productive wide receiver because Sean McVay has already proven he will craft game plans around getting you involved. And I think this is a guy, another guy that he can use his abilities and get him the ball in, in some very creative ways that'll be productive. You have to get somebody on the team that's able to draw enough targets away from Cooper Cup. This is a guy that I think could be the very good beneficiary because he's not going to be the number one wide receiver on that team, and he's going to be playing by far with the best quarterback of his career. I think he's most likely going to be underdrafted by comparison to Cooper Cup, and Cup is probably going to revert to the mean a little bit. I think Allen Robinson might have a career year. Brandon Cooks returns to the Houston Texans. Is he at all going to be fantasy relevant again this season? Yeah, I mean, this is probably one of the most underrated wide receivers in the entire NFL. And I am just as much a part of that as anybody else. Consistency is something that doesn't get talked about enough with Brandon Cooks. He's not going to blow you away, but he's most definitely not going to kill you either. And to be able to be putting up the numbers that he has in the offenses and the quarterbacks that he's in, that he's had through the course of his career is nothing short of amazing. So um, you're going to be able to get him in late rounds. You're going to be able to get him cheap because like I said, he's underappreciated. So um, if you have a chance to get Brandon cooks, go out there and buy some Brandon cooks. I know that he's had some health struggles last year. He had some physical ailments that kept him out quite a few games. And this offense is not probably going to be very productive. I mean, you have a defensive coordinator as your head coach. Now, I really don't know what the offensive system is going to be. I think Davis Mills is somehow going to be the quarterback of this team, which to me, I I really don't know what to expect at all from that, but he's, probably a pretty good option as your fourth wide receiver, especially where you could get him late in drafts in the double digit rounds. This is a guy who's got a lot of talent that can win you your week on a given week because he just explodes for another 20 points. I am very still afraid for him and his physical and mental well-being, given the amount of concussions he's had, but he's a productive player and I really don't see it changing all that much. It just depends on a week to week basis and some of the matchups he's going to be presented. The big offseason acquisition that was just pure free agency was Christian Kirk to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he ends up with a like $22 million contract per year or average annual value. How do you see this shaking out in the new Doug Peterson offense with them getting some of their playmakers back coming uh, back from injury this offseason? Yeah, boy got paid, didn't he? (laughs) Good, good for Christian Kirk. Um, He's somebody that I have most definitely had on my fantasy roster for longer than I felt like I should have. And then I finally got rid of him and then he had probably the most consistent and best year of his career. So good for him and good for me. But 
in Jacksonville with a young quarterback, a new fresh take on life in that organization, I would feel pretty confident having Christian Kirk shares. The the thing is, you're probably not going to pay a lot for him in redraft or in any startup dynasty draft either. But I think there is potential for him to be a nice, maybe low end wide receiver too, but for sure high end wide receiver three. And that's somebody that for sure is going to be valuable, especially during your bye weeks or injuries. Does he remind you of maybe a Jeremy Macklin or yeah. I'm trying to think who else would be in that category. Um, no, Macklin is a great, like that would probably be the one that I would stick my head on to. Macklin had a really, really good year that one year. Right. But then every other year, you know, he was consistent enough where you could plug him and play him and feel very confident. I think that is what Christian Kirk is. No, I was actually uh, for Eagles standouts or guys that played well from the slot, but could shift to multiple roles and do a lot of different things. I was actually thinking more of Nelson Aguilar, who was actually Mm -hmm. on that Doug Peterson Super Bowl winning team. I think that would be possibly even a better comp, but I don't know. I really don't know what role he's going to play. We obviously know that Marvin Jones is expected to be back for this team. DJ Chark has moved on to the Lions, which I think we're going to get to here in a second. And I thought they made one other big signing Jacksonville over this offseason, if I can remember right. But uh, for whatever reason, I'm really not sure what they plan on doing with him. And I don't know if Jacksonville was just looking to drop some money for the sake of dropping money because they had to for the sake of the cap, or if this guy is somehow going to be significant to how they want to shake out their plans. Oh, excuse me. They dropped a bunch of money on Evan Ingram. So we're going to get to that in our tight end section. But I don't know. I, I just... I'm excited by the prospect of Doug Peterson coming back because of how multifaceted and exciting his offenses could be at producing certain fantasy point and value. But I really don't know if this is going to look like the same Eagles offense that we got a couple of years ago, or if he's going to structure this more around some of the standout players he has on his team. Now it's a question to be seen. So Kansas city had to obviously go and get a field stretcher for their team and another wide receiver to kind of bolster their kind of lackluster receiving core beyond Travis Kelsey at this point. So they go out and get Marquez Valdez-Scantling from the Green Bay Packers, as well as Juju Smith-Schuster from the Pittsburgh Steelers, both to come to Kansas City. How does this either improve, detract from both Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, two of the top guys at their position for next year? Well, I think we're starting to see a little bit of a decline in Travis Kelsey. I think we can, I think we can honestly say that. Yeah. I think he's been past his peak. Let's say that. Yeah. I thought he had a really yeah. productive year, but by yeah, comparison to saying, what he was even the year yeah. before, he's yeah. not like the fantasy MVP was two years ago. But he's still putting up hell on numbers. But that being said, you know, MVS is not going to be Tyreek Hill. So a lot of people are saying, oh, they got MVS to replace Tyreek Hill. No, he is exactly what you said he's, he is. He's a field stretcher. Maybe he'll have a couple of good weeks, but the majority of his weeks are going to be, eh, there. I mean, he was there. Um, Juju, I think, is going to have a career resurgence. I don't think we're ever going to see that young first, second year Juju that we all became to love, but I think he's going to be pretty productive in this Kansas City offense, but I think it's going to be more mouths that are going to be fed. I don't think it's going to be a single mouth that gets all the food. I think there's just going to be 
little bit of sparseness around. I think we're going to be a, see a little bit of a different Kansas City Chiefs offense this year. I think you're very possibly right on all of that, but let me throw this out there too. First off, to me as a single player, if we're making the comparison, I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling is closer to Mikael Hardman than he is to Tyreek Hill directly. But that's why yep. I think the combination of Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster is the replacement for Tyreek Hill. All of the stuff where he ran bubble screens, he did underneath routes, he would get a lot of yards after the catch. He'd do those patented quick out routes, and then he'd step back and then figure out where the hole was, where he could get an extra five yards. That's where Juju's going to excel. But when you're talking about the jet sweeps and the deep crosses and the stretch the field stuff, that's where you're going to get Veldez Scantling involved. And I think that makes this offense actually more diverse yeah, you don't have that home run threat that Tyreek Hill presents, but I do think that you have a more diversified attack if you can't key on one, maybe two guys. And while Travis Kelsey did take a step back this last year, I don't expect him to fall off the face of the earth quite yet. I just haven't seen all of the productivity zapped out of him that you might expect for a guy who I think at this point is what, 32, 33? Yeah. So... With that all being said, I really don't think Kansas City is going to take too much of a dip on the offensive structure. I think they're going to recognize a lot of the mistakes that they made last year and come back better, but they're going to need to score a lot of points because they unfortunately had to unload some of their best secondary guys in order to keep the rest of their core offense together. Jamison Crowder ends up with the Buffalo Bills to replace the then-cut Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley. Jamison Crowder has been one of the better, more targeted slot receivers when he's on the field the last couple of years. Do you think he is a like-for-like replacement for Cole Beasley? No, I don't think so. I think Gabriel Davis is going to kind of go into that role. I don't think that Gabriel Davis is going to explode like a lot of people think he is, but I think he's going to fill that role and fill it well. Jamison Crowder, he's going to have decent weeks, but I think for sure for him as well, the best days for him are kind of behind him. I actually think Gabriel Davis probably fills out more of the Emmanuel Sanders role in this offense and that you get Isaiah McKenzie likely to help replace the Cole Beasley role a little bit more than uh, maybe Davis would because I think he's more of an outside receiver. But I would agree with you that Jamison Crowder, while he might have some good stretches here in the season, I just don't see him as flourishing as a potential fantasy relevant option. He's a guy that you might take a flyer on late in a redraft league, but he's not somebody that I'm keying on for an offseason strategy right now. Julio Jones and Jarvis Landry are cut. They still don't possess teams. Are these two guys that you're really curious where they end up because you might be putting in a waiver claim or does it really matter where they end up because of where they're at in their careers? I think dynasty wise, I'm, I'm past both of them. Julio has just been dealing with too many soft tissue injuries for too long. Like, I think that's kind of, that's kind of just who he is now. Jarvis Landry, I'm kind of surprised he's not on a team by now. You know, he plays through a lot. He's a very tough and consistent guy, but even so for him, we know his best days are behind him too. So it'll be interesting to see where they land as a, from a football standpoint, but from a dynasty fantasy standpoint, I'm not all that interested. I think Julio Jones is likely to end up on a team probably right before the start of training camp, just because there'll be some injury that we don't expect. 
that will pop up. And so a team will try and sign him trying to catch magic in a bottle and hoping that they'll get a, an actually healthy Julio Jones for once over the last five years. I just don't think that's likely, but even so that's more likely where he's going to end up for Jarvis Landry. The rumors I've been hearing is, is that his starting point is $20 million a year and nobody's met that valuation right now. So it's going to be interesting, which breaks first, his desire for that contract number or his desire to actually be on a team, because it's more likely to me that he ends up on a 10 to $12 million one year play it and prove it type deal than anything else. And then finally, we had both Mike Williams and Chris Godwin, two guys on, uh, I think your team, both resigned with their prospective teams. What is the outlook for either of these guys in your mind going into this next year? I mean, I like Mike Williams landing back in um, LA. I think he's found a role there finally. And I think with a great quarterback like Justin Herbert, I think it suits him well. I don't know if he's going to, you know, he started the year so hot. I don't think that's going to be his consistency. I think it's going to be more so what he was middle of the year towards the end of the year, where there's going to be a really, really good week. And there's going to be a couple of down weeks. Um, Chris Godwin, you just got to see, you know, is he ever going to be a hundred percent healthy again with Tom Brady as his quarterback? You know, he he'll probably come back at some point this year, but he's not going to be who we all want him to be. So it really just relies on how long Tom is going to play. Yeah. I agree with both points there. To me, Mike Williams offers the higher ceiling in the immediate just because of who his quarterback is and his health status. But clearly to me, Chris Godwin is the better receiver overall. It's just a matter of situation and opportunity. And uh, both remain to be seen right now because I could see Mike Williams being close to what he was at some of his peaks last year and having a really good year again because he's got one of his best quarterbacks around him or he could very easily seed ground to Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton. I, I just don't know which guy we're going to get this next season. And that's the struggle with both of them. Tight end, both CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin go to the Jets. Not particularly surprising given that Mike LaFleur, Matt's brother, is the current offensive coordinator. And that system is predicated on a lot of power football with a lot of tight ends. Yeah, I just still don't know how excited I am about either of those two guys going, you know, I, I think they'll have a couple of touchdowns, but it's not somebody that's like, Oh man, I got to make sure I have these people in my lineup or on my roster, especially in New York, New York's got to show me something before I believe in people there. I agree. Uh, again, I like the offensive system and usually it's year two for a lot of quarterbacks in these systems to be able to learn and really flourish. I'll be curious what happens with, Zach Wilson, because I do still expect him to have at least a much better year and kind of take a, a, a step forward. Are they going to be competing for the playoffs? Probably not because it's the Jets and they basically admit defeat before they start the season. But I really don't expect anything out of either of these two guys just because I don't see this offense throwing a lot to the tight end. It just is not one thing that uh, it's known for. Gerald Everett moves from Seattle to the Chargers is he going to replace the Jared Cook role for Justin Herbert? Man, I hope so. We've kind of been talking about Gerald Everett for a couple of years now. I think the talent is there. So it'll be interesting to see. He's got the quarterback, he's got the opportunity, and he has the offense. So all systems go for me for Gerald Everett. Again, 
I was very high on him going into last season, thinking that Russell Wilson was going to get the best out of him. That didn't end up happening. I still have some high hopes. I think that he could be a very valuable asset to Justin Herbert. I don't know, though, if he's going to take away a lot of catches from Keenan Allen, who operates in a lot of the same spots. To me, promising upside, but not a guy that I'm really targeting too highly in drafts. If he falls into some of the later rounds, that's where I'll really look to pounce on him. Evan Ingram to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are we finally going to see the Evan Ingram that you had hoped after his rookie season, or is this just another mirage? I have been hurt too many times, I think, trusting Evan Ingram. So I personally think it's another mirage, but I do like the opportunity and the quarterback that he has. Um, And we saw how productive the tight end was under Doug Peterson before in Philadelphia. We'll see, but health is always an issue with Evan Ingram as well. Yeah, you hit on the exact points that I was going to make. Doug Peterson's been very productive with tight ends so far in his career. He's seen some of his uh, successors also have very good productivity out of the tight end position, given the system that they run. If Evan Engram is healthy, I think this is the last stop on the hope tour for Evan Engram before it's all said and done. If you're holding out any hope, you are hitting hard on the hit button right now. But outside of that, if you've given up hope, I can understand why. (laughs) Austin Hooper moves to the Tennessee Titans after being cut by the Cleveland Browns this offseason. We have been waiting for a productive Tennessee Titans tight end for a couple of years now. Is this finally the guy that can be the second receiver, more or less, to A.J. Brown in this offense? No, I think we're going to keep waiting. You know, if, if you were cut from Cleveland before, there's just nothing about him for me that just moves the moves the needle that's like, I got to get this guy. This is a guy, again, in the long list of guys that are tight end two projected that you could probably get for a song in the late rounds and you just want to draft one with some high upside because you missed on the top elite guys at the position later in the draft, I could see you taking because he's got some promise. And he was the most productive fantasy tight end, I think, what, three years ago? So he's got some pedigree there. That being said, I just don't necessarily hold out high hope that he's going to be elite at the position in any way. So this is a guy to watch, but that's about it for me. Hayden Hurst goes to the Cincinnati Bengals after being cut by the Atlanta Falcons. Is this guy finally going to realize the promise that made him a first-round pick for the Baltimore Ravens so many years ago, uh, even before they picked Lamar Jackson? Or is he going to end up being basically the same C.J. Uzama role last year that was really good in best ball, but really not good for much else? Yeah, I think that's going to be exactly the role he fills. I don't see Joe Joe Burrow as a type of quarterback that needs to and wants to get it to the tight ends. He's looking to move the ball down the field. I would agree. I I really think that he's more likely to be a best ball guy because there are too many other mouths to feed in this offense right now for him to be too fantasy relevant, especially that he has not put up big stats to begin with. I think he's a guy they brought in because they lost Juzama and he was available and cheap. Bobby Tanyan goes back to the Green Bay Packers. I'll save you the commentary on this one. We won't know until probably middle of the year whether he's even going to be able to come back from the ACL injury, let alone be a productive fantasy starter. This guy is probably a do not draft and then wait and see what happens with him more than anything else right now for that Green Bay Packers offense. I, I got nothing. That's that's perfect. <laughs> Finally, we have O.J. Howard, the 
always promising yet never reaching uh, Buffalo Bill player now with Josh Allen. Is Josh Allen going to finally get the best out of O.J. Howard, the Alabama O.J. Howard that we always thought we were going to get when he came to the NFL, or is he destined yet again to fall short? Man, what a guy that just didn't live up to expectations. Like a specimen coming out of Alabama, and his combine was absolutely insane. And then, yeah, just for him to kind of fall flat on his face. His productivity in those two national championship games was immense. So Mm -hmm. for him to absolutely fall flat, and I know a lot of it has to do with injuries that aren't really his fault, but gosh, I I just don't see it. Even trying to get ahead of like Dawson Knox on the spreadsheet. Yeah, that's where I'm, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, I, I, I'm happy for him. I think he's in the best spot maybe he's ever been in with a quarterback that he has, but the depth chart, Dawson Knox is a guy that's not going to go away. And I know the Bills throw a lot. And yes, they did move where their offensive coordinator moved on to be the head coach of the Giants. And so there may be some offensive change, but you've still got Stefan Diggs, Dawson Knox, Isaiah McKenzie, Jamison Crowder, Gabriel Davis, not to mention that you still have Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. And a lot of people have been rumored that uh, the Bills might be looking at a running back in this draft class. So if that's going to be the case, who knows if he's going to be even capable of catching the ball and getting anywhere with this offense right now, because he's coming in from behind on everybody else. But if there's a promising situation that you'd like to be a part of, that you can actually make an effort and be contributory towards, it'd probably be this one, but he was already in a great offense the last two years and just couldn't stay on the field or productive at all. So I don't think the pro the promise is high. I think this is more likely to be an off season story than it is anything we're going to have to worry about during the year. All right. Last position. Uh, kickers, young Jeezy, Greg Zerline moves to the New York Jets. Yeah, Greg the leg. He he became a Jet. Awesome. All right. Congrats. <laughs> I, I, I threw that one out here for my own enjoyment. <laughs> Again, who fucking cares about kickers? <laughs> Congrats. Uh, Congrats for Greg. I hope he got paid. I think so. But I mean, he missed so many kicks. I think he got more cut than anything else. The fact that he's even on an NFL roster now. I know that the Dallas Cowboy fans are not displeased to see him go. But that takes care of all of the offseason free agency news right now. We will be back again next week to discuss, uh, I think, our draft preview. So next Thursday is the draft. I think what we're going to do is try and give the top position grades or the top rankings of certain players uh, that we're most either curious to see where they go or the best guys at a certain position uh, going into next week. I guess we haven't completely decided all of that, basically giving you some guys to watch during the draft, a little bit more fodder for that, but uh, we'll bring that to you next week. So thank you to all the listeners and dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again next week. Like I said, in order to do our draft preview, but until then Um, the best time of the year, you know, drafting and, and, looking to see how you're going to fill out the rest of your roster so i'm excited for this no the best time of the year is dynasty draft time i I think real draft time is fun to see where everyone lands and um how your personal rankings change on where team or where people go on teams i think it's exciting but it's not the best for me i I think (laughs) that just before the season hue of anticipation combined with all of the fantasy expertise and all of the drafts that you have going on to me that's what really gets my blood going 
If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan as a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.